everybody, and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of April 28th through May 3rd. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Are you ready for President Trump? And Ben Lamoureux? No. This week was lighter on the <laughs> news you. side, so after a quick first half of the show, we're going to kick back and take it easy this week with our discussions. First, we're going to head to the game corner to check out our recent gaming, including uh, progress for our little race in those Pokemon Virtual Console games. And then we're going to take it to the Mystery House for three listener questions. Next week, we're going to introduce two new segments, both featuring listener mail like Mystery House does, so you can look forward to that. But in the meantime, as spring charges in full throttle, it's good to just take a breather and have a fun show. So, without further ado, that's what we'll do, starting now. This week, the news block is actually pretty thin, as it's mostly just cleanup from the investors' meeting uh, last week, with a few other stories sprinkled in. I think we'll start off with probably the biggest individual story of the week, and that is that Splatoon's Squid Sisters are getting their own amiibo. Callie and Marie launch in a $25 dual pack on July 8th. On the same day, Nintendo's also releasing new Splatoon 3 pack with alternate colors for the Inkling Boy, Girl, and Squid amiibo. You can check out pictures of them all at Gamnesia.com. What do we all think about this? About time. I think uh, Nintendo's getting pretty good at finding creative ways to take my money. (laughs) Even during the year that they have no games. Um, Yeah, so my wife is a huge Splatoon fan, huge Splatoon Amiibo fan. So these are going to be a must-buy for us. Even the uh, alt uh, Inkling Boy, Girl, and Squid. Um, I'm not looking forward to trying to get those, but it's going to happen. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm glad to finally see Callie Marie. I know we sort of saw the breadcrumbs a long time before this, but yeah. they deserve it. They're, they, are, they are the stars of Splatoon. What do you think of the in-game function of the Callie and Marie amiibo? Because it looks like it's just concerts. You get to plug the, the amiibo in you and know, you just see a little dance. I really dig the Splatfest aesthetic. Uh-huh. And so I'm really happy that it seems like they'll be bringing that with the with the songs with this amiibo uh-huh. uh, to the plaza. Um, it'd be nice if they could find a way to carry that over into the matches as well, but I could see that being kind of a nightmare on the online side uh, because I just get so pumped every time I pl- I play Splatfest. Not just because of the the competition, but just because the, the nighttime so stages are just so yeah, cool. The nighttime, yeah, the yeah. music's fun. Yeah, I um, so I, I like that they're embracing uh, that sort of dimension of Splatoon. Okay, cool. I kind of thought that the recolors were a little disappointing, personally, um, just because they they don't really look any different. They're well. Just- one thing that I, I will comment on that I really like about those is there's a brown one. Mm-hmm. One of them has a brown skin tone, which yeah. is good. Yeah, that's and that you can they're embracing the tone in Splatoon a lot too. So you know, it's yeah, it's it's not like they're the amiibo are misrepresentative of what you can do in game, or at least uh, it would not be as misrepresentative if they had like six Splatoon recolors and then they were all the same skin tone. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's it's and it's good to see alt. Alt Amiibo in general, just because of the representation issue. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say next, is I wonder if this sort of opens the door for, like, female Robin Amiibo, um, Alpha Amiibo. I'm I'm holding out for female Link or Linkle, if that pans out. Oh, I see. I was thinking of Smash Alts, because... Uh, Smash Alts, ones too. ...ones that already have the... Essentially, the model's done on an Amiibo, but I see, yeah... Um, I think a Linkle would probably more likely come in like a Zelda line or a Hyrule Warriors line down the road. Right, sure. Um, but but we'll see. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, everything else we got in the news block kind of follows up on all the major news we got last week. Uh, I don't how, know how much more of it we'll have to say on any of these stories, but uh, here we go. 
Nintendo's president, Tatsumi Kamishima, says Nintendo's low expectations for Wii U in 2016 will allow them to focus on the Nintendo 3DS, and he adds that there are, quote, many unannounced first-party and third-party 3DS games on the way. I'll uh, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if you're if you're including like eShop only titles and indies and things like that, then you know I suppose that could be considered true. But you know maybe maybe they'll prove me wrong. I just I don't have a lot of faith considering right. that Zelda's the only playable game they'll have at E3. I, you know I'm sure they'll show off some 3DS games, but if uh, if they're not even gonna have, bring any of them to the general public to play in June, I, I don't know how pumped I can be about the the mystery 3DS lineup for the rest of the year. Yeah, and uh, if we're going by that that leaker from a while ago who leaked the 3DS lineup, Disney Art Academy proved true, Sun and Moon proved true, um, or I guess I guess Pokemon Rainbow is a little different, but um, a Pokemon game proved true. And what was it? There was there was one other thing early in the year that was announced and and was true. Uh, but the only thing left in that lineup that he leaked was this thing called N Stars. Uh, so, it, I mean, if that's anything to go off of, this is the only major Nintendo game that's actually coming to 3DS. I guess the question is, does many refer to, you know, many unannounced first-party games and many unannounced third-party yeah, games? Yeah, or many or games, they... including one first-party game and five third-party exactly. games. Exactly. Yeah. Because I totally, I totally believe that there are many unannounced third-party games. I yeah. obviously agree with you guys that there are probably not many unannounced first-party games. Mm-hmm. Um, this it does kind of confirm something we've been saying for a while about the lead into NX, which is that uh, Nintendo can't really support multiple platforms at once, uh, yeah. not the way they've been traditionally making platforms. And that they have so much coming to 3DS and nothing coming to Wii U, even in this last year before NX, kind of drives that home a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Kamishima also stated in speech what we saw Nintendo demonstrate last week, which is that it's more important to launch the NX properly than to rush it in for the holidays and suffer any consequences from that. Uh, Specifically, he's talking about the software lineup, but essentially what he's saying is that they need this thing to stick its landing, and if it's not ready to do that in the holiday season, then that's that. It's not ready. So, you know, a lot of uh, CEOs would probably try to rush it out in time for the holidays, and I have to say I agree with Kamishima a thousand percent on this decision. You know, you, you look at 3DS, and it was just so not ready at launch. There were just no games for a long time, and Nintendo ended up having to majorly slash the price just to get the thing to sell. And then you look at Wii U, they got it out just in time for the holidays, and uh, it had an okay holiday season. It sold $3 million in its first six weeks, but then it had such a lack of games that it only then sold $3 million in its next you know full year after that. And they can't afford to have that kind of thing happen with NX. So I absolutely agree that they should launch it when they can make a big, strong push and say, here's this console, here's why it's valuable, here's why you want it. Not just to say, hey, we had it out in time for Christmas. Absolutely. 100% agreed. Speaking of Nintendo software, though, uh, Nintendo's press site no longer says that Zelda is launching in March 2017. Presumably they took it away because they didn't want to confirm Zelda as a launch game for the NX just yet, but I can't imagine any of us think Zelda will launch without NX, or vice versa. I guess the real crazy thing would be if Zelda Wii U launched after March 2017. So... I think they're definitely planning on March 2017, but they don't want to commit to it right. on the off chance that they have to delay it again for some strange, unforeseen reason. Maybe because it's Zelda U and that's just a requirement um, and, at this point. <laughs> and yeah, that's another point, is that um, the press site wasn't for Zelda NX, it was specifically for Zelda Wii U. And uh-huh. so they don't want to let the NX 
I mean, they have basically let that it's a launch title for yeah. NX out of the bag, but they don't want to specifically let that out of the bag. Yeah. Well, it may be like a Twilight Princess situation where they release it for NX at the launch of the NX and then for Wii U a few leaks later, and then they don't want to, you know, in case the NX launches like March 29th or something, they don't want to release it a few weeks later and have that be I, April. I, and mm, they don't Yeah, I could see that too. Um, I really do think it'll be a simultaneous launch, but uh, Nintendo was saying that for Twilight Princess as well, and then they changed mm-hmm. their minds, I guess. So... Anything's possible. Well, finally, before we move on to Fortune Street, we've got one rumor for you. Uh, there's only one this week, so we're just going to say the time of doing True Trubbish and Gossip Stone and all that. Um, but Retro Studios has been working on a new game for over two years now, and according to Emily Rogers, it's going to launch on the Nintendo NX next year. She went on to state that it's not a new Metroid or Donkey Kong Country game, and it could be a new IP. Liam Robertson added that he's heard rumors that they're working with Yoshio Sakamoto, who co-created Metroid and has recently done a lot of work with WarioWare, Rhythm Heaven, and the Mii-type games like Mito and Tamadachi Life. Um, also, not being a Donkey Kong game discredits Diddy Kong Racing. Emily Rogers clarified, so uh, <laughs> just in case you had hope. I wasn't holding out for Diddy Kong Racing anyway. This <laughs> so, I'm not sure how many people were, but... A lot of people really want Retro to return to a Prime-style Metroid game, a 3D first-person Metroid game, and I would love that, but it, I'm really hoping the rumor is true and that it's a new IP, because, you know, I think... Mm-hmm. I think someone else could handle a 3D Metroid, maybe not quite at the same level that that Retro did, you know, for for so many years. But I think it would just be interesting to see the talented team at Retro get to do something fresh for once instead of reviving an old IP. So I'm really hoping that's true. Absolutely. We've talked dozens of times on this show about how much more Nintendo really needs an aggressive push in making new IP, and in particular new IP that serve Western audiences. So this would be a fantastic move. And especially to you know have it out within the first few months of their new consoles oh, launch yeah. would be huge. For sure. I see this as an opportunity to treat Retro Studios more like Nintendo used to treat Rare, where they mm-hmm. did work on a lot of Nintendo franchises, but they also were very... Uh, let's say, productive at creating their own franchises. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in particular, the kinds of franchises that Nintendo themselves were unable to make themselves, like GoldenEye, Perfect Dark, uh, Jeff Force Gemini, uh, all these sort of more teen, mature, skewing uh, games in the shooter genre, which Nintendo is not very Mm -hmm. active in. All right, well, that is the last of our stories for the news block, so we're going to take it to Fortune Street for a couple of few updates. Let's head on over. everybody, welcome to Fortune Street, a segment where we discuss recent updates from the more businessy side of Nintendo, from their financial status to sales data, various tech projects, stuff like that. Uh, Nintendo does not plan to sell NX at a loss. That is to say, each console they sell will earn them more money than they spent making it. Wii U and 3DS both lost Nintendo money on hardware, whereas previous consoles before them did not. Um, I don't know that we can draw anything substantial out of this one, because there are so many different ways that this could be interpreted, and it's really just guessing work as to what will end up being true, but it says to me either that the console is going to be cheap, familiar technology, or that it will have a high price point out the gate. So there are two ways that I could see this. One of them is that this makes it really unlikely that they'll have a very expensive gimmick, uh, like Wii U had, mm-hmm. uh, where and and in particular a expensive and exotic gimmick. Right, where like the controller adds another hundred bucks to the console. Right, and it, it added so yeah. much not just not just because it has a screen, but because it was such an exotic idea that they had right. to implement like dedicated custom hardware to make that work. Yeah, uh, and the second thing is that 
I don't think it would be very hard for them to achieve a fairly low price point and still uh, sell at a profit, even if they wanted to match PS4 specs. Uh, PS4, I think right now is hugely. Is, I think it's still pretty hugely profitable um, at 350, and I bet you could probably squeeze uh, profit out of a 300 dollar yeah. uh, skew. Um, and to sort of compound on that, uh, there are rumors that one of the reasons why Nintendo is delaying uh, NX to 2017 is that they want to work on the new Polaris architecture, which is a 14 uh, nanometer, uh, I don't know the exact technical term, but 14 chip. nanometer versus 28 nanometer. And so chip, yeah. High and so it's smaller chip. and therefore cheaper and mm. also uh, has new feature sets and efficiencies compared to, to modern chips. So they could get a pretty powerful console without uh, breaking the bank for themselves or for consumers. Yeah, I I don't see Nintendo releasing a console that's going to cost more than 300 So, But, you know, like you said, they can make something competitive with uh, Xbox One and PS4 in that price mm-hmm. range. Uh, Nintendo generated $412 million in digital revenue last year, setting a new company record. And by the end of next fiscal year, which means by April 2017, Nintendo expects sales of game DLC, NX consoles, and revenue from their mobile games to make up for their declining profits on Wii U and Nintendo 3DS. So yeah, they uh, they expect 3DS sales to drop by a little less than $2 million, and they expect Wii U sales to drop by uh, about $2.5 million. And uh, you know, an investor asked, "How do you how do you plan to make up for those losses?" And Kamishima said, "Between the DLC sales of NX and mobile games, they think that they're going to more than make up for it because they're actually projecting uh, more revenue next year than what they made this year or what they made last year, I should say." Um, one hidden point that we might read into a little bit is that they didn't mention Amiibo. And, you know, they've been selling Amiibo for the past two years, so it's not like they'd suddenly be selling Amiibo and that would be a new revenue stream. But there was that rumored N-Stars game for Nintendo 3DS, which many people are guessing might be an Amiibo-centric game. So that could be their way of driving Amiibo sales on top of the things that they mentioned. Mm -hmm. It's a light news half of the show, like I said. Uh, We are already coming to the lightning round, so let's head on over. And now we've arrived at the beloved lightning round where we bring you little nuggets of information from the past week. If you want to read more about any of these stories or any of the ones we discussed earlier, you can check them out at Gamnesia.com. The latest podcast episode will show up in the scrolling feature bar at the top of the site, and on that page you'll be able to see all these links. Alright, so first up, recent releases and stuff that is now available for you. Yokai Watch is now available on 3DS in Europe, while Pokemon players can now go to Mystery Gift to get a specially distributed Zygarde over Wi-Fi, or Dark Ride through special cards you can find at retailers. And my Nintendo's new rewards for May include some discounts on Metroid Prime Trilogy, Galaxy 2, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, and tons more. Then we've got a bunch of upcoming dates to look out for. May 5th, Pocket Card Jockey launches in Europe and North America. On the same day, the Video Game Hall of Fame will induct new Hall of Famers. May 7th, we're getting a special Pikachu-themed Pokémon Tournament controller. May 8th is the last day of Mitomo's 10 million user celebration. In mid-May, Koro Koro's got a big scoop coming on Pokémon Sun and Moon. May 11th, DNA's Investor Q&A is happening, where we may hear more on mobile games. May 11th is also when Pokémon players can download a shiny Xerneas for a week until May 17th. And my Pokémon fandom is clearly dying because i haven't downloaded any of these (laughs) (laughs) may 12th super meat boy launches on the wii u eShop in north america may 19th pokemon players can sign up for a johto themed competition in omega ruby and alpha sapphire may 20th pokemon players can download a shiny veltal for a week until may 26th may 27th that johto competition begins running until may 29th june 21st mighty number nine launches on wii u in north america and asia if i'm not mistaken uh we heard that the game went gold 
old, so it shouldn't be delayed again. Yeah. 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 Well, we've, we've also heard that it wouldn't be delayed again. Um, and then also the, the 3DS version, unfortunately, still doesn't have a release date. Yeah. Uh, June 24th, though, the Wii U version does launch in Europe as well, so they've committed in all regions. Uh, June 24th is also the launch of Terraria on Wii U in Europe, and June 28th, Terraria launches in North America on Wii U. And then finally, we got a little rundown of all the smaller things that happened this week. The classic Pokemon games have sold over 1.5 million copies on the eShop. Japan is voting on the most popular Pokemon to be distributed, and Greninja is winning. Project Cross Zone has been removed from the eShop for unknown regions. Meanwhile, Star Fox Zero sold only 25,000 copies in its first week in Japan. Uh, my favorite joke that I've seen about this is that the game should be retitled Star Fox Zero Sales. Zing. <laughs> You can pre-order Pokeball-themed Wii U gamepad skins. A jazz drummer freestyled an amazing score to a competitive match of Super Smash Bros. Melee. Over 30 animators teamed up to make an incredible reimagining of Melee's intro movie. Nintendo's stock dropped 8% after their investor briefing. Kamishima explained why Nintendo is selling the Seattle Mariners. And Miyamoto helps advise Nintendo's mobile game developers. I actually found that part of the uh, investor Q&A kind of amusing, because the the guy asking the question more or less said something along the lines of, how serious are you about mobile games? Why isn't Shigeru Miyamoto making one? Um, and so Kamishima just sort of assured him that Miyamoto has kind of an advisory role with uh, their mobile development teams, but he isn't actively developing mm-hmm. any games. What did they think creative fellow meant? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that's all we got on the news side of things, but stay tuned because we will be right back with a laid-back session of the Game Corner and Mystery House. In the meantime, please enjoy this incredible 8-bit rendition of Calamari Incantation, the final boss theme from Splatoon, as always, by the one and only Bulb. back, everybody, with more Nintendo Week. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, still joined by Alex Plant. Still waiting for President Trump. And Ben LeMoreau. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> uh, so we are back. We're going to go to the Game Corner and the Mystery House this week before signing off. Uh, things are pretty easy around here this, this week, so we're just going to take it easy in the show as well and just have a nice relaxing time. So uh, hopefully you'll stay with us and listen. I'm already asleep. <laughs> and next week, you're very good. You're having very cohesive thoughts to put forward. <laughs> uh, it's a lucid dream. Yeah. Uh, next week, we are going to be introducing two new segments as well, both taking listener mail like the Mystery House does. So stay tuned and uh, be sure to keep your ears open for the email address and Twitter handles and whatnot to send your stuff into. Anyway, uh, so let's take it over to the Game Corner. Here we are with the Game Corner, a segment where we just shoot the breeze about the games that have just come out or games we've been playing lately, etc. So we've all got our running sort of competition between these Pokemon re-releases on the 3DS and the progress that we're making in them, but uh, we're also going to talk just about the stuff we've been doing over the past week uh, in terms are of. Are we going to battle at E3? Because I'm going to wear shorts. Oh, absolutely, they're comfy and easy are. to wear. Oh, that's. I'm pretty sure this is the third episode in a row you've made that joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta keep the streak alive. Oh God. Um, but yeah. So do we want to, Alex? You want to start off? 
so I guess I need to get more serious about my Pokemon training because I've been at the uh, at Koga's gym for like a month and haven't really oh, touched really? it lately. But oh, um, uh, last episode I talked about Star Fox Zero and I haven't really played it since last week, which <laughs> tells you a lot given that it just came out. Uh-huh. Um, I have been playing, however, uh, Twilight Princess Picross, uh, which I've been trying to kind of get through. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like the, the way that they've sort of, uh, modified the Picross experience compared to Pokemon Picross. Uh, it seems like it's very, uh, more, much more respectful of my time without having the sort of like helpful gimmicks that, uh, Pokemon Picross has. That's interesting. Um, like, um, you mean like the abilities and stuff from the Pokemon? So the way, the way... Twilight Princess Picross differs is that instead of having Pokemon abilities, um, you have a, a setting where you can have the uh, game correct you if you make a mistake, but it adds like a ton of time to your score. And if you hit like an hour, and the game can get pretty punishing with the time it adds to your timer. If you hit like an hour, you uh, basically fail the challenge and have to do it over. I see. Um, so I've been kind of trying to... to go as fast as i can and so i've been getting punished a lot and it's been it's been fun to have like more of a challenge in picross nice alex likes getting punished i do i'm a glutton for punishment all right and that's Uh, it for me is that really okay um ben how about you what have you been up to lately well let's see in pokemon i haven't been playing it uh as religiously lately but uh because i beat the elite four quite a while ago and then uh i caught mewtwo i've got all the legendaries except for articuno just because that whole Seafoam Island cave network is just a pain in the ass. <laughs> uh, so eventually I'll catch that Articuno. But uh, I, I uh, went to Chicago for a concert a few days ago, and so I brought my 3DS along and just was uh, buffing up my Mewtwo oh, like, yeah? on the two-and-a-half-hour drive there. <laughs> so I just beat the Elite Four a couple times, and then I bought a bunch of Calciums and just boosted a special attack nice. up. So you guys have to watch out for that Mewtwo at E3. But, All right, uh, well, I mean, you're going to yeah. whoop my ass anyway, because I a, just finished the Team Rocket hideout and the Silphco. Ooh, wow. Making progress. Yeah. Uh, you're ahead so, of me. <laughs> catching up to you, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess <laughs> they're all around level 35 or so. I've got a team of Pikachu, the three starters, uh, Geodude, and uh, Bellsprout is my HM slave. As per uh, the right usual. Now, I'm going to be switching in. I think I want to catch a Snorlax as my sixth Pokemon. But, um, yeah, so they're all around level 35. I haven't been evolving them, actually, just because uh, you can level up so much quicker and get moves so much quicker in the first-gen games. So I have just been coasting with, like, Charmander and Bulbasaur and stuff through... Uh, the fourth gym and through I beat Giovanni of course with just like the totally unevolved Pokemon Um, (laughs) so that's been kind of funny Uh, I've also been making sure to be working on my Pokedex as I go in the game so I've got Mm -hmm. a Pokedex of around 50 right now Um, so I've been making good progress on all that I got like a Vulpix at the game corner nice yeah which by the way the game corner I thought that I missed the slot machines, but I really, after trying to get all the coins to get Vulpix, I really do not. Yeah, Those me neither. Those are so boring and so arbitrary. I liked gold and silver a lot better. I liked heart gold and soul silver. That's all I'm going to put The Voltorb flip. 
which I think was basically Picross, wasn't it? I didn't play the Heart Gold Soul Silver Game Corner okay. that often. Okay, I remember there was at least one plane trip where I just got so absorbed in that I played the Game Corner in in Heart Gold for just hours until we landed, um, and I just had to. Say, I was just so so absorbed by that that I just didn't care that I wasn't really doing anything in the game. Right. Um, yeah. So that was a fun time suck. Um, well, Colin, my team's mostly in the 50s and the 60s, so I'm going to need you to step it up in time for E3. Oh, yeah, me Only too, Only in the sorry. 50s and 60s? But, and you've beaten the Elite Four multiple times? Uh, well, my Mewtwo is, like, obviously, like, a 70-something, oh, okay. 75, I think. Okay. And, but, I mean, I've got I've got a pretty good team. Like, I've got a Zapdos, uh-huh. and I've got a Vaporeon, and I've got a... Uh, uh, Taurus is a beast. So. Oh, cool! I yeah, like he's it. he's super broken Gen One just because uh, critical hits are like some weird thing where they're calculated by speed. So a maxed oh, out Taurus weird. has like a twenty one percent chance to crit hit at all times. Oh, that's crazy! So, yeah, and then he gets same type attack bonus on body slam and things like mm-hmm. that. So he's he's pretty crazy. I, Plus, he can learn Blizzard. I don't know why what? a bull can summon Blizzard. I yeah. feel like can. everyone can learn Blizzard in Gen One. <laughs> a Persian can learn Blizzard. See, I what I've been finding that I really miss about the old. Pokemon games is how much each individual species felt like a new addition to your collection. At this point when there's like 720 of them, at, like every individual Pokemon just feels like, all right, there's another thing to just throw in the PC and never think about again. But back <laughs> when it was only 150, I felt like each one of them actually had some sort of like meaning behind them. Each like a some sort of personal connect like each Pokemon you catch, there's like the story of where you caught it and like what the battle was like and when you like first saw this Pokemon first met this species but now it's just it, i don't know it it happens so often that you run into something new or catch something that you don't really know much about that when you find out more about them you're just like all right whatever i'm gonna pass over this this i don't know you know They're that just... was something i actually appreciated about black and white i know a lot of people like on that pokedex uh and trebish in particular although with the <laughs> amount people talk about trebish you you can't deny that he is a memorable member of the black and white pokedex um but is that really I, I, for better or worse though i like trebish i mean i don't use I trebish. Appreciate black and white's pokedex more when i started doing like competitive battling just because a lot of them are you know halfway decent competitive like i had a conclader on a bunch of my teams yeah and there are a lot of interesting type choices too but i overall i just really didn't care for that dex compared to other generations gen 5 i think had the weakest lineup yeah, I definitely agree. I Pokemon, to me, are so much more about the designs and the characters and stuff. So when... I don't know. I just feel like there's so much less care that goes into each one at this point. Um, I cu- Well, one thing that I like is that... I know there have been, like, a million generic bird Pokemon. But yeah. yep. given that there generic are different rodents. regions, it makes sort of logical sense. And so I like yeah. that. I like that each time it's... A, I'm not just raising Pidgey over and over again if that's the bird I want to use. It's a different bird who might have... Right, but it also you know, feels very so slightly, It does. But, you I'm know... all about that star Unless they add a bajillion other types, how is it not going to feel repetitive? Well, I mean, they could do... Like, they don't have to do the basic normal flying bird that has three evolution stages every single region that you meet on, you know, the first route. They could just... Well, yeah, they have, like, like, uh, in Gen 2, they had Hoot Hoot, which is, you know, slightly They also had Pidgey, though. They did also have Pidgey. And I'm not saying that to be, like, well, they reused Pidgey. I'm saying that as, like, even Gen 2 had the generic normal flying bird that you meet in your first route, and it has three evolution stages. Um, When they decided to stop putting Pidgey in the first route, they just replaced it with a different bird. We've got Talo, 
which I guess that only has two stages. But then we've got the Starly thing, and then there's, I don't know, there's more Bravador, something like that. <laughs> I actually do like Staraptor a lot, just because he can learn so many overpowered moves and everything. Yeah, I really like Staraptor. He's fun to play with. Um, but my point is just like this sort of, I don't know, in some ways it just feels sort of rinse and repeat, and I and I feel like that stifles creativity a bit. Um, Maybe. So... But, I mean, that's a whole, whole other discussion. I was, what what got us here was I just meant that, that only having 150 in a region to worry about is, uh, is a nice change of pace. And, um, yeah, I, I miss the days when I feel like each individual Pokemon just felt more unique just by virtue of there not being so many more. Uh, right. It feels each, the value of each feels like it's gotten diluted. Um, yeah, yeah, I can be with you on that. Yeah. So when I'm not playing the uh, the Gen One Pokemon games, uh, I actually just got Shantae the Pirates Curse for free. Uh, someone in a Facebook group that I'm part of, uh, they got a uh, you know the the Steam bundle, mm-hmm. the Humble bundle, and they already had uh, they they had a 3DS, so they downloaded all the 3DS games, but they didn't own a Wii U, so they just posted all their Wii U codes and said anyone can download these. So I was like, heck yeah, I've been wanting to play Shantae forever. I really like Mighty Switch Force, and I liked the uh, uh, Adventure Time game that WayForward made. So, you know, I'm a fan of WayForward, and so mm-hmm. I, I decided to give it a try, and I've actually been really enjoying it quite a bit. You know, I've, I've heard it compared to Metroid. I think it's maybe a little closer to, like, Guacamelee, but, you know, it's it's that action platformer style with a decent amount of exploration. But I'm just really impressed with, like, the music and the sound effects, and it, it, that shouldn't surprise me because the music and the sound effects and the visuals and everything are fantastic in Mighty Switch Force. So it's that same level of quality, but it's you know it's got a little more depth to it than a, than a mighty switch force so i've been having a lot of fun with that so far and after i finish it i'll probably end up getting the first two games in the series and i'm sure i'll definitely get the fourth one if it ever actually comes out so cool yeah shantae is something that i kind of am interested in but not really like i i can see myself enjoying playing it but i i don't know I don't have much to say about it until I actually have. Yeah, that's how I felt uh, until I started playing this one. So the fact that I got this one for free was you know, yeah, perfect. It's a big a perfect introduction. <laughs> nice. Um, I've also been working on Hyrule Warriors Legends. So the last couple days, I've just been taking some time off and relaxing because uh, I need that. And I, the last couple days, have been playing... So that was when I caught up to Team Rocket's Hideout and stuff in Pokemon Yellow. And then I've also been making a little bit of a dent in Hyrule Warriors Legends. So I am now at the point where the three... Like, the Ocarina of Time route, the Twilight Princess route, and the um, Skyward Sword route... Like, when they split into three, and then I'm at the point where they reconverge, I finished all the Linkle side chapters and then all the main chapters till those plots reconverge. I haven't come to the Wind Waker content yet, somehow. So I don't know it's what... It's at the very end. Very end, yeah. So yeah. I guess <laughs> I guess until then I'm just replaying all the same stuff I did on Wii U um, with the new Linkle chapters. But yeah, it's that's been a lot of fun. Um, I like how yeah. being able to switch between your warriors lets you sort of it it adds a, a better rts element to the game almost it kind of is like an action rts now um which i think for is me really it made cool. it made the other warriors that joined you feel like they belonged there well it felt really like they cool. were actually there you know because you can right. command them and tell them to do stuff and you still can't really rely on them to actually get it done but you can rely on them a lot better than you can in the wii u one the wii u one any light forces captain that i that was on my team i always felt like just shouldn't have even there's just getting in my way and it was like you know more trouble than they were worth um so but that's been really nice that's a good improvement that i that i like so 
I've also been trying to chip away a little bit at that game at a time, but um, Mm -hmm. I'm at this point where, like... So they stuffed all the DLC characters from the original Hyrule Warriors in the first Adventure Mode map. Mm -hmm. So to get everything, you have to play through Adventure Mode. And I've already played through Adventure Mode on Wii U. Yeah. It's not especially fun to replay. I mean, I I got pretty sick of it early on Wii U, too, so... Like, it's sad because around. I feel like the later content, when they had like these weird re- constraints and gimmicks for the for the levels uh, beyond even what is in the first adventure mode map, I feel like that would be really fun. But you have to be way stronger. Like mm-hmm. you have to have basically beaten the all the adventure maps that had come out before that one. And I just I just don't know if I have the patience for that. Like right now, I'm trying to play through adventure mode. You know, this is the second time I played through it because I played through it on Wii U, and it's just yeah. like putting me to sleep. Yeah, I definitely wish they had some sort of cross-compatibility for the save data, because Hyrule Warriors is basically a grind fest, and so if you've already put in all the work on the Wii U game to the point that you are kind of... You kind of... You get it. You don't really want to play that much more anyway. Uh, And I enjoy the story content. It's just... Yeah. It's just that adventure mode content. Yeah. Anyway, that's my thoughts on Hyrule Warriors Legends. All right, cool. Well, that, I think, is all I have that I've played this week. So should we take it to the mystery house, answer some listener mail? Let's go solve the mystery. So we are here at the Mystery House, where we answer questions from listeners like you. If you have your own questions you'd like us to answer, you can send them into colin at gamnesia.com. We love hearing with you guys, and you've got a really good chance of being answered here on the show. Uh, we are backed up quite a bit. We've had a great flood of questions um, in the past, so don't be disheartened if we take a few weeks to get your question on the show. I'm sure those who are being answered now will remember a long time ago when they asked them. So we'll start out. The first one here, uh, Luke Argilla asks, Colin, what is it that made you fall in love with Waluigi? Don't get me wrong, I like to play him as him at times as well, but your love seems somewhat over the top. Um, justify your love, Justify Colin. your love. Um, well, it obviously... Was, it was well, love at first wah. For, <laughs> love at first wah. Um, yeah, well, obviously, Nin- Waluigi is one of my favorite Nintendo characters. Uh, could very well be my favorite. Um, I think he's probably my favorite Mario character. Um, but... Like, a lot of the time when we mention Waluigi, it's like a comedic thing. It's like a, you know, he's a comic relief character, and so he's the good butt of the joke a lot of the time here on the show. It's just sort of a a running gag. So, um, yeah, Waluigi is my favorite of a lot of things, but, for example, I wouldn't actually try to say that he and Wario are the best Nintendo gay couple or whatever. Like, that kind of stuff, that's not real. (laughs) So Are you sure? I'm sure. Are you flip-flopping? I'm, I'm sorry to, to break your heart, Colin? Alex, but yes, I are, am. Are you distancing yourself from Waluigi? No, 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 no. I would never do that to a fellow Hyrule warrior. I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't take that anywhere. Um, Make Colin wah again. Wah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much the answer to my question. Uh, he's, when it sounds like it's something that's over the top, you can you can safely bet it's probably just a, you know, a joke. What Colin's trying to say is he's just a big joke. I mean, yeah, we all knew that. Which is why he empathizes with Waluigi. Yeah, there we go. Precisely. I recently, I realized, I think I understand why Waluigi's gotten so popular on, like, the internet and stuff like that. Uh, not lately, but over the course of the last couple of years. You want to hear it? Let's go. I think it is because he is the perfect Mario character for the millennial generation. Oh my because God. he tries as hard as he can at everything, and it still all falls apart and his life sucks. <laughs> 
to answer the first part of your question, what is it that made you fall in love with Waluigi? Um, I think I've said it on the show before, but uh, there's this opening segment of Mario Power Tennis. Um, and I used to hate Waluigi. I used to think he was stupid and annoying and pointless for all the same reasons that all, you know, you typically hear about people not liking Waluigi. Um, but then I saw this video and I realized that when the people who actually sort of know how to put Luigi, put Waluigi in these sort of comic situations do it right waluigi is just one of the funniest characters nintendo has um and so you know if, if you're kind of curious what what there is to see in waluigi um yeah you can watch that you can watch like other especially during the gamecube era there are some of these cutscenes and and intro videos where waluigi is just being a big goofball and uh but that one in particular was really just like a slapstick comedy with wario and waluigi and um so yeah i i realized essentially that 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 personality and that that role he serves in the Mario universe is a lot more special uh, when they actually know what they're doing than it is when they don't in just say, you know, when they throw him in Mario Party or throw him in, you know, a cart in Mario Kart. Making a character model isn't really the same as, as knowing the dynamics between the characters. So that's something that was accomplished really well in the GameCube days. And I went back and saw that and saw uh, that there was something there. Uh, River Gatinsby, Gatinsby, I don't know, he can correct me on that later, uh, asks, who is your favorite Mario brother? Minus Luigi, and always has been, due to the fact that he has more of a built character. But what do you guys think? Uh, personally, I actually agree with you. I can't really explain why I liked Luigi better growing up. If I had to guess, it was just because, you know, I was an edgy kid and everyone liked Mario or whatever, <laughs> so I thought it was cool to like the one that no one liked. Um, but I know <laughs> why I still like Luigi. And it's because uh, one of my best friends growing up, we've, we've always had this sort of rivalry where whenever we play any kind of multiplayer Nintendo game other than Smash Bros., we both want Luigi. I don't know why he likes Luigi either, but for some reason we are both adamant that we have to play as Luigi. But he's a little forgetful, and I uh, am a jerk, so 99% <laughs> of the time I end up with Luigi. The game will start before he's even thinking about it. I've already selected Luigi, and then he ends up like swearing and throwing his controller or something. <laughs> <laughs> So we've just been for like 15 years just harassing each other about, you know, who gets to play as Luigi. And it was kind of funny. Uh, a couple months ago, I threw a little birthday party for him at my house and we just had some friends over drinking and playing Nintendo games. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we put in Mario Kart and I go to select Luigi. And he's like, ah, 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 it's my birthday. I get to play as Luigi. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I, I guess. guess you're right. <laughs> he told me, this is the best birthday present I've ever gotten. Not that I get to play as Luigi, but that you don't. And I get to see the look on your face. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, what you're saying is Luigi has Trojan horsed his way into your heart. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> nice. I love Luigi out of spite. <laughs> I'm surprised your story didn't have anything to do with, to do with you know, Paper Mario, uh, Smash Bros., uh, all those places where you got mm -hmm. those sort of weird developments of his character in ways that you wouldn't have gotten from the old Mario games. Um, nope, that it seems was all like trash talking a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that seems like you, but that seems even more like you, so... Um, <laughs> Uh, I, yeah. I agree. I like Luigi better, but that's really just because of his more cartoony sort of character and personality. You kind of pointed it out there. Luigi is more of a 
built character, uh, so to speak. Mario's kind of a clean slate, everyday, not everyday good guy. Wait, most you, plumbers you know, don't fight turtles? Your typical personality, soulless good guy. Everything's fantastic, and I can do this over and over and over again, and nothing's a problem ever. Uh, but Luigi, we get to see him scared in Luigi's Mansion, and we get to see him happy that he overcomes stuff in, I don't know, other games. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's just got more character there, so... Yeah, for me, it, it's Luigi for all the reasons both of you guys mentioned, including the uh, trying to steal the character from someone who wants to play him. <laughs> um, my brother was a Luigi guy, and then he switched to a Wario guy when I wouldn't let him be a Luigi guy. So, um, <laughs> And uh, Alex, you got the third question? I do have the third question. So this question comes from Malika Dresser, who asks, Do you guys think Nintendo will release another Splatoon-like shooter, Splatoon on NX? If not, will they at least try to follow up game-wise on the success of Splatoon? So, I think Nintendo will probably bring Splatoon in some fashion over to NX. Whether that means a sequel, or an expansion, or just a port, I don't know. Um, However, we do know that uh, there are unused uh, Octoling playable character assets, and that would be a really great basis for a sequel. Um... I would love to see them expand on the story of Splatoon, maybe show it from the other perspective of the Octolings, because there is that sort of dark, genocidal undertone of the story <laughs> um, uh-huh. that I'd love to see explored from the other perspective. Um, but but not only that, I think that the Octolings are really great characters who didn't really get their, their full time to shine in the original Splatoon, so I'd love to see them do more with that. Um, yeah, but nice. But beyond that... Um, We've been seeing lately, and this is a trend that goes a little bit beyond Nintendo, or a lot beyond Nintendo, actually, where the most successful games nowadays are no longer games that are heavy single-player, uh, at least not this generation. They tend to be games that are very games-as-a-service, which means you know games that are mostly online-heavy, maybe they don't even have a single-player mode at all. Um, and I think Splatoon is one of Nintendo's potential answers to that trend. It's mm-hmm. a game that lives almost completely online. There's a small offline component. So uh, it lets them have their big online game. But it also is fits perfectly w- with that sort of trend away from games that are heavy single player and toward games that kind of evolve over time and, and live mostly online. So yeah. I think for that reason alone, they will keep the Splatoon train going. And I do think they'll release more games in that vein as well. Yeah, and beyond that, I think Splatoon is also just too successful to ignore. Um, yeah, like, for sure. It's it's clear that they really they ha- want to hammer home Splatoon as one of their biggest franchises. Um, and I think I think that they are going to be working on this this like port of Splatoon to NX. I don't think they'll be doing a sequel until later on, for essentially the same reasons as we've been talking about with ports of like Zelda. Why they might be porting Smash Bros. Um, essentially just that the Wii U did not really get a fair shot at life, uh, or maybe it did and it was terrible and it deserves the the ill success it's got. There are people who argue both, but, uh, my, my point is that Splatoon itself did not really get quite as fair a shot at life on Wii U, rather, I guess, than the console itself, uh, and so that they would want to be bringing that to NX as soon as possible, as easily as possible, and letting the game shine there as well, uh, and that they will later focus their efforts on making a sequel and making a game uh, that goes beyond what they've already done. Right now, I think they'll they'll want to be pushing that Splatoon as a service to NX as soon as they can, and then... Uh, 
hit a home run later on the road later down the road when they've thought of really creative fantastic ideas to really expand uh, Splatoon itself rather than try to follow up with an one two punch you know just something like two or three years later from the original release yeah well my incredibly deep analysis of this is that I agree with you guys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, now, contribution. There, for your second question, you kind of asked about following up game-wise on the success of Splatoon, and there's another way you can interpret that, and that is, do they give the Nintendo Garage program more shots, bigger shots, at making new Nintendo IP? And I think oh, the answer. I sure hope so. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope. Yeah, I certainly hope the answer is yes. I also think the answer is yes. Um, one question I have, though, is, and I kind of talked about this a little already, but one of the nice things about uh, creating new IP is that it comes with new characters, it comes with new universes, and mm-hmm. Nintendo hasn't really had a homegrown inside their internal like EAD development studios. I guess it's now EPD. They haven't really grown a lot of franchises like that lately, and I would love to see them grow a new single-player franchise. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they have this problem where they really need to respond to this demand for online games, games as a service, and they can't... They're sort of running out of franchises where they can just kind of easily drop an online component on top of the existing franchise so animal i think crossing. i think that would work great as animal a crossing game. is already kind i mean they could go further i guess yeah i think there's but that's a whole other um, discussion animal crossing is a good one and animal crossing is made by the team that made splatoon so that's yeah, another kind of true. point in that that but i think uh, as far as new ip uh they're they're in a better position to, to make the most of those ip if they release more online focused new ip so, I don't know, there's a tension there where I really want them to make more yeah. single-player new IP, but then they really should make more online <laughs> new IP, yeah. and so I don't I don't know what would be best. I, I don't know what I'd end up liking best. So, everybody, thank you all so much for listening. This is the Endo Nintendo Week for today. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. We are really working hard to make the show great for you guys, so those iTunes reviews really mean a lot. And they also help a lot of listeners discover the show. So if you haven't done that, please do. It's greatly appreciated. Just head on over to Nintendo Week on iTunes and five-star that up. Uh, if you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com. That's C-O-L-I-N at G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A. Or you can find me on Twitter at Colin McIsaac. That's C-O-L-I-N-M-C-I-S-A-A-C. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show in our Mystery House segment. And in the two we're going to be bringing up next week, Those uh, one of them will feature an advice column of sorts, and another will feature a uh, just a sort of listener topics and and we'll choose from a, a mailbag and just have loose discussions on topics. So again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com and at Colin McIsaac on Twitter. And Alex, where can they find you? You can also find me on Twitter at Legend of Lex. Um, I've been getting a lot of followers and a lot of spirited conversation lately, so thank you guys. Uh, keep them coming. Yeah! Uh, if you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We've got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and even Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. On our way out, please enjoy Team.Rocket, an incredible remix of Pokemon's Team Rocket Hideout theme by Tweak from OC Remix. Thank you all so much for listening, and we hope you have another great week.
You missed your opportunity to say incredible. <laughs> Bam. I said incredible, didn't I? Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, but it sounds the same. I don't hold out my puns, Alex. That's not true. Don't you, though? (laughs) You're full of... (laughs)